0: Blob Talk
1: Radio. This is Kale Brown. Now I didn't play a doctor on TV, but I will prescribe Brandon's Buzz
0: for. Absolutely, anybody who wants to know what's really going on Hey guys, this is Brett Claywell
2: from One Life to Live And you're listening to Brandon's Buzz
1: This is Taylor Dane And you are listening to the one and only Brandon Buzz Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz It's the great entertainment talk show on now Brandon, I love you, thanks for having me. This is Linda Dano I'm on Brandon's Buzz And I have to tell you What a fun hour I just had Ah. Uh, This is a great kid with a wonderful heart and soul. You listen every day. I know I will. Hey, hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big. I'm live and kicking on Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Dave Romero, and you're going to love buzzing with
0: Brandon's Buzz.
2: Hey guys, welcome back to Brandon's Buzz. I am Brandon, thrilled to be back with you here at the Buzz after a little hiatus. I hope everyone is having a fabulous new year to hear. I know I am. I have enjoyed my little break, but I am ecstatic to be back, and I can't think of anyone, and I mean that, that I'd rather be back with than this brilliant, gorgeous, eternally young woman right here on the phone with me. She has become, to my great delight, a regular with us here at Brandon's Buzz, although it's been a couple of years since her most recent visit, a fact for which I intend to chastise her, Before we get started here, and you all know how much I've always adored her, from fame to Top of the Pops to Walker, Texas Ranger, and now to to, uh, ABC's uh, ABC Family's smash teen series, Pretty Little Liars, and beyond. She has, as of the past couple of years, turned a great deal of her energy and focus into creating a seminar series on health, beauty, and mental wellness entitled The Elements of Life. And she's come by the buzz tonight to detail for us the latest iteration of that project and to hopefully spill a little dish on the upcoming PLL season finale. So without further ado, it is a great honor to welcome back here the magnificent Nia Peoples.
1: You can't take me to task for not being here sooner. <laughs> you got to invite me. Yes, I
2: know. I know. It's half my... You know, it's, it's so funny because I was... Every time there was a, a Pretty Little Liars uh, season premiere or something, I'd always think, you know, I'm going to write Nia and then I would think, no, she's probably sick of, of hearing my voice and, and I would let it go by and then, of course, I'd get busy doing other things and another six months would pass and and so it was great to get your email the other day. I, I really enjoyed hearing from you, and and uh, it's great having you back here. So
1: it's always so fun to be. You're you're such a fun host. I love doing this show. <laughs>
2: you're very kind. <laughs> so uh, elements of life. You know, when you were here in February of 2010, you were just getting this whole project off the ground, and now you're airborne. And by all accounts, it's a huge success. You know, I know just from you know creating my blog and from creating this little ragtag dog and pony show here, the challenges of <laughs> of creating something and praying that the people for whom it's intended gravitate and respond to it. And, 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 you know, as you prepare to celebrate your second anniversary, I'd love to hear, first of all, if getting this up and running was harder or easier than you thought it would be and what some of the challenges were in getting EOL off the ground.
1: Well, it was a really interesting thing because, you know, I I put it up just because I felt like it was something that needed to be. And there were people who had kind of read or heard me talking about the concept of it and said, please, please, please get this up. Sure. And so I did. So really all it was was kind of an expression. It was like a blog. It was a sharing
2: Absolutely. of certain
1: things. The response was great, but there are so many things to building something. So I knew at the one-year anniversary, which was last year, that I was going to have to decide whether to make this self-sustainable or just keep plugging along and paying for it myself cuz it costs you know what co- there's there are costs in streaming video there are Absolutely. costs in offering things up to an audience and you have to determine if you want to keep it as sort of a hobby and if so how expensive a hobby or <laughs> can you do something to make it pay for itself, or do you, should it be a business? What is this thing going to be?
2: And you know, people and, don't even realize the, the the cost of maintaining even a rinky dink website, much less a you know a fancy website with video and and you know all the works.
1: Oh no, it's so expensive, and then you get into the social media and how much time that takes just to get the word out. It's incredible. So I hired a business coach last year and worked with her for six months just because I figured I have to know what the possibilities are before I can make a decision. And so we went through this whole thing, and I mean, it was so much work—just homework, homework, homework. What is this? What do you want to do? What is that? Just to make sure I understood what it was I really wanted, and that that took months in and of itself. Like, well, what could be this, and well, it could be that.
2: And I'm and sure this coach part- came at you with concepts that you had not even envisioned before. Oh
1: yes, of course. Because I'm a concept person. I'm a creative person. So forget about business, like hmm? <laughs> no. <laughs> So that just, you know, there were days where I woke, I mean, I'm not kidding you, the first day she came to my house, because she's also a life coach, So she and she has this whole thing with neuro-linguistic programming, and she wanted to get to know me and how I communicate so she could understand how to communicate back to me and what it means when I say certain things and what kind of language I use. So our first day together was six hours in my living room. Oh, my God. And she laughed and I'm not kidding you. I broke down and cried for like three days. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was like, oh, I'm
0: such an idiot. Because she would ask
1: me a question, and I would answer it. And then she would ask a little bit deeper, and I would answer it again. And then she would ask even deeper, and all this stuff would come uncovered, and i go, oh my gosh <laughs> you must have That's felt like you were in therapy te- a little bit oh well it, that was the whole thing it's just like look <laughs> if you're going to start a business you got to want this business yeah. it, there are going to be days when you want to hang yourself <laughs> and so i went through that whole thing and now i'm in the place where i know clearly what my next step is and what i want to do and it's gone through periods of like um social media, and you've got to do this with the social media, and you've got to do that, and that will mm-hmm. suck you right in. I mean, I don't know if you have, like, the Twitter and the Facebook and all that stuff going on just to let people know where sure. you are and what you're doing.
2: And these it days, is, it's a must. You have to. You have no choice. It is,
1: and it's every day. It's not like I can create content and step away from it. You have to engage with your audience every you day, and they say, like, a tweet lasts four minutes, <laughs> that's it, and I'm going four minutes, I have a life to live, you know, so yes, I want to get this out there for my fans and my friends, and I think it's great that we can engage, but learning the boundaries on how you take care of that and share how you live your life while you continue to live your life, you know, that is a whole other thing, so it's taken me an entirety to figure all that out, so what we're doing right now is we're redesigning the entire website with the specific goals in it that I want to attain and by that I mean certain things that I want to be able to offer to my audience. And this is an interesting thing because the entire elements of life is really centered on these 12 bits and pieces of a philosophy. And just to remind everybody, the whole thing came about when I was asked to write an outline for a book on health, beauty, and fitness. And what they really wanted was, they wanted my answers. Okay, how do you keep your skin looking young? How do you stay fit? How do you, you know, of course. and they wanted to be able to attach product to it. Because people will run out and buy that. Oh, my gosh, Nia people. she's 50. She looks like she's 30. How do I get that? Oh, it's in this tub. Let me buy that tub of cream, whatever it is. And I just thought that is incredibly disingenuous. If I sat down and said, well, here's my secret, because it's not the truth. I mean, what I've needed in terms of what I ingest and what I put on my skin and has changed through every decade of my life. What I need now is not what I needed when I was Absolutely. 25. Or when I was 35 with two kids in the house. So it really came down to a philosophy and a holistic approach to beauty. And that's really one of the things I want to offer up on the website. But I want to do it in a different way. I want to offer up a membership that is so inexpensive that people can just come and be a part of it. They can come have a workout class with me. They can come learn about nutrition with me. They can come learn about the philosophies mm-hmm. and get the seminars for almost nothing. Mm-hmm. And the more we can grow the community for like 10 bucks a month mm-hmm. or something, the more you can grow the community, the more content I get to provide. Absolutely. So no, rather it, than saying, look, you can be involved at $2 or you can buy this for 50 or this for $150, it should be available to everyone. Inspiration is something that should be available to everyone. I've got stuff in there that's completely free. People can access much of it for nothing because they should be able to receive those positive affirming quotes every day so that they when they get up in the morning they click on it and they go "ugh oh, got it I feel better I'm on with my day and I have so many people that just love those simple little soul starters
2: it absolutely I'm on time. I'm on your mailing list and I get the I get your, the, the little quote every day and and you know it, 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 it's funny how the littlest thing sometimes can really set you on a different path or set you on a different mindset.
1: Exactly. And so that's the thing that I want to be available to everyone. And then there are other things that they want to, if you want to be able to work out with me a couple of days a week, you know, you get this, 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 and this for ten bucks. That's nothing. Because I want to keep it nothing so that the community can grow it as much as they want and then I can start providing more content because that costs money. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it costs me money to hire the people to shoot it and all that, to to stream it. I mean, (laughs) should have seen me at the table trying to do the math well if we charge this much how many hours can they get of <laughs> streaming oh it's it pretty crazy so that's where i'm at now and we'll have an official launch date coming up here pretty quick but hopefully it'll be in the next couple months
2: very cool you know uh, what i love about this i mean i know you have a team around you and and doing all the technical stuff but in terms of in terms of the creative the creativity of this website you're you really sound like you're the driving force behind this
1: okay do you want to know who my team is I have one web gal who's a friend of mine in Sweden. Yes. And I have one gal, Loretta Chandler, who used to be on Fame with me, who now owns a streaming company who I wow. pay. That's my team. It's <laughs> us. This, this is like, this is a mom and a pop show. This is this is your show. This is, it's just people inspiring others through their own expression. And it's something that I absolutely believe in. So i got to walk it. I can't just talk it. So we're doing what we got to do.
2: Very cool. You know, you were talking about Twitter a while ago, and we can talk about this uh, a little bit more in-depth when we get to the younger generation that's coming up behind us. But, you know, isn't it funny how how we've seemingly, you know, this whole Twitter thing of of 140 characters and people wanting it simple and wanting it now, you know, we've raised, I think we've raised an entire generation of folks that, that, you know, kind of want the answers right now and in one sentence simple, direct. Right. And, you know, it's kind of funny how you're saying Wait a minute, let's dig into that a little bit and, and let's you know, let's let's talk about the the reality behind the simple the simple idea of the simple sentence with this website.
1: Yeah, it's uh you know, the whole Twitter thing is it's an interesting thing. There are parts of it that I love and parts of it that I don't love. What I love about it is that it allows you to engage personally and in only hundred and forty characters. So in the old days, because I'm old enough to say this. <laughs> I, I've been a part of those old days. And As really am I. Old I'm days. old
2: enough, too, believe it or not.
1: <laughs> we had to wait for the mail to come in. <laughs> Snail mail. And then you had to sit down and write the letter back and yep. lick the stamps and the whole nine yards. <laughs> you don't have to do that now. You know, you can get on and you can look at everyone's questions and answer them right away. Or They don't get you completely all day long, but you can check in any time of the day and answer what you can, and touch them as you can. And that is brilliant. But in terms of really passing on a whole lot of information... <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible.
2: Yeah. In that forum. I mean, y- you know, uh, the great thing is you can lead people to the forum of your choice and, and, you know, get them to dig in there. But, you know, in that forum, it's kind of like, you know, who, what, when, where, why now.
1: Right. And I'm, But I'm hoping that people learn a sense of who you are, how you operate, how you think, that will maybe inspire them to contemplate how they approach their day. You know, so when someone says something and you respond in a positive manner, it turn, it's just like the soul starters, the little quotes. Okay, that's going to turn that. And now I came onto Twitter and I was depressed, but one simple little thing, it's like getting a smile from someone, she'll turn it around. And so that's the best you can hope for. Of course, there are brilliant people who just are so funny in 140 characters, <laughs> and you get, <laughs> like, immediately, and you're laughing hysterically. And you're thinking, who are these people? Yeah, and course. why aren't they on Comedy Central?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but as you say, what's great about it is, is is uh, you know, that you can connect with people all over the world, and you can not only participate in but lead the conversation globally about the subject you discuss on elements, and it's actually you. There's no middleman in between you and the folks you're trying to reach with this.
1: And that, But see, here's the whole other, the next step for us old folk trying to use Twitter. <laughs> like, there is a way to use it to where you are connecting with those people. I haven't really figured that out. The people who are tweeting with me are mostly fans from the TV shows. Yep. But out there, there are also people who are looking for a certain kind of inspiration or a certain kind of information of course. that don't know anything about Pretty Little Liars. And I haven't gone that far, <laughs> you know to think, mm, how do I engage in that community? I don't know the hashtag is that how you do it? <laughs> <laughs> learning <laughs> always learning
2: so in terms of people who have who have listened to the the uh the seminars on the on the twelve individual elements and you know
1: right.
2: taken the course with you, what kind of response have you gotten from those people in terms of email? You no
1: know, I, tweets or I gotta you? tell you. I left for Romania in September to shoot a film, so I was, out, I was there for three months, and I thought, you know what I'm going to do while I'm there? I am going to create a little survey. I'm going to put all of the seminars, well, except for two I had two of them I haven't finished yet the 10 of the 12 seminars up, and ask people to, you know, fill out a survey on what they thought about it, what did they like, what they didn't like. And I've got to tell you people there was just a plethora of information. It was like they listened to it and it opened up this whole part of their heart and they went, "Wow, this was really powerful." me because of wow. And the suggestions were things like, "I wish you could give this in a visual, like as a video." Sure. as well. "I wish there was a way for me to talk to you about it live." And these are all things that we're creating for the website. There there was no The most negative thing I heard about it was, well, it's mostly from the position of a woman. Do you have anything for a man? (laughs) Even though the subject matter completely pertains to men, everything comes from the point of view of a woman because I'm writing it. (laughs) So, you know, when I'm giving anecdotes, eh, they're kind of from my experiences. (laughs) So. You know, there's a limit to that, but everybody gets it. So I was blown away by the amount of support I had and the positive response people were just moved, And they needed it and they wanted more and then they wanted journals to go with it and they wanted the worksheets to go with it. And so these are all things I'm creating for the website and I'm really excited.
2: Very cool. And so the next evolution of this project, as it were, is coming later this month with uh, the innovation of a, uh, the addition of a teleclass and, uh, oh, right. you know, I, I would love to hear more about this and, and what the concept is and how it's going to work and how people will access it. So, by all means, please tell us about the uh, the holistic approach to beauty.
1: Okay. Well, this is um, – first, let me tell you what the teleclass is. The teleclass is something that's actually separate from my website. I mean, it's on my website, but it's not something my I personally am putting up. There is a thing called the global teleclass. And they give all these free teleclasses and stuff like that. And it's really just a way to open people up to various ways of coaching. And they approached me and asked me to give a free class. And I thought this would be a really good exercise ground for me for when I go onto my website and start creating them there. So that's what this is. The subject matter is more than skin deep, the need for a holistic approach to beauty. And the reason that I wanted to put this one up is that my entire career I have had People, in particular women, come to me and ask me how to be beautiful. How can I have your skin? How can I have this? And I'm thinking, have you seen me in the morning when I wake up? (laughs) No. (laughs) You know, we can all look dog ugly when we get up in the morning or when we've been crying all night or when we had a bad day or when it's that time of the month that we're all puffy. I mean, you just get to see me after I've been made up for the camera. And most of you see By professional me, people I'm whose lit. only
2: job is doing that.
1: That's right. And they get paid a pretty <laughs> penny to try to make me look beautiful. So, you know, they asked me all these questions. And then I started doing some research on the statistics of the financial aspect of beauty. And the numbers were astounding. I mean, oh my, it, it's, it's a
2: trillion-dollar inter- industry.
1: It is. And even just skin care in the United States is $43 billion. Oh, my God. Every woman participates in some kind of a beauty regimen, whether she wants to or not. We all do it. And yet 2% of the women in the United States consider themselves beautiful. Wow. And then the whole thing with weight loss, there was a survey done in high schools, and 63% of the high school girls were striving to be thinner, but only 16% were actually overweight. There's just such this horrible unreasonable body image that is presented to women and it makes us feel like crap and it drives us further away from our own beauty which is really accessed deep within your beauty really comes from your own unique light that is within and as you bring that out your particular kind of beauty begins to unfold so these are the things that we're talking about how all that striving for beauty what it's really costing us it's costing us a lot more than money
0: Wow.
1: So this is what the whole thing is about. And it goes into actually the first element, which is individuality. Sure. And the importance of reaching for that and grabbing and accessing your greatest and most authentic light from within. So that's what the teleclass is about.
2: And how the heck do you get that message to sink into, especially young girls when it's all about, you know, what's on the cover of Cosmo, what's on the cover of Vogue, what's on the cover of – I mean, it's all about – You know, the magazines and the perceptions and the externals. How do you get that message? Listen,
1: it's tough. It is just tough. I have a daughter right now who's 13, and she is a cool cat. I mean, she is like one of the boys, one of the guys, but she's really pretty, but she's really earthy, and she just doesn't give a freak about certain things. (laughs) But you still see her struggle with other people's perception of her. Even though she knows, she's confident about who she is, you still see her struggle with that pressure because everyone, especially in school, is in pressure to fit in somewhere. Everybody. Even if you're the most, quote-unquote, beautiful girl in school, that girl is struggling to stay in a group somewhere and just to fit in. And so getting that message across is really, really difficult. It comes down to self-esteem and it comes down to being honest. One of the unique positions about being on a show like Pretty Little Liars I am a beautiful mother of a very beautiful young woman <laughs> who's all over the cover of these teen magazines You right bet.
2: Now. You betcha. So
1: what I have to say to them and letting them see me as I am on a day-to-day basis rather than what I look like on TV is really important. They're lucky that they get to do that. You know, they get to experience what it takes, that it takes more than just being concerned with the way you look. It really has to do with expressing who you are most authentically. So those messages are very important, and it is tough, but you have to just keep getting it out. They're getting it out, they're getting it out. They're letting them hear these statistics, and opening up discussion for them so that they all see that they're going through the same thing. I think that's one of the misnomers where high school kids are concerned, at least for themselves, is that they think they're the only ones going through Of course,
0: it. they of course.
1: feel very alone and that they're the only ones struggling with that. When the truth is, they're all struggling for that same thing. So if and you, you know, could, like lay it out there. We don't go, oh, okay, we're all kind of ugly, aren't we? <laughs> and
2: I, w- I would imagine that having access to things like Twitter and Facebook, although they're ost- ostensibly designed to bring us closer together, in some ways, I think isolate those kids even further.
1: Oh, it absolutely does because, well, like I said, there's a plus and there's a minus to things like Twitter and, and the, the iChats and all that stuff. And on one hand,
0: it allows you to
1: access all the positive things that are out there. But on the other hand, it can also roll you right into this community of negativity where you're just getting beat up on all day long. No of Negative, horrible things. So that's where parenting comes in. You really have to watch this stuff. Boy, some of the stuff I've seen, <laughs> whoa.
2: You know, I I think we've probably discussed something like this before, but it must just be maddening to be raising a daughter, to be, you know, trying to bring up a thoughtful, cultured, intelligent individual in this crazy digital age where everybody literally carries the world around in their pockets. I mean, this world where the world is literally at our fingertips and everybody has immediate access to every piece of information.
1: And where did that information come from? (laughs) You know what I mean? Just because it's on the Internet doesn't mean it's true. Damn right. I think... Some of the things that really help are making rules, like no multimedia, no media, no nothing for this weekend. Talk to me. when you stand in line at Starbucks? Look at the people in the line. Talk to the people. Don't be, you know, why are you sitting next to your friend at dinner texting your friend who's, you know, over there in a different house? Why are you, and they do it. My daughter will have her girlfriends over, and they'll be sitting on the couch you know, getting ready to watch a movie or something, and they won't be talking to each other. They'll each be on their individual PDFs, <laughs> just trying to make it happen. Did I say PDFs? PD, PDAs. PDAs. <laughs> I got that all wrong. <laughs> um, you know, talking to somebody else, I'm going, what, aren't you good enough for each other right here? So you have to make rules like that. Traveling is a great thing because we travel, we turn everything off, and you have to be very present those are things that help them understand that there's something going on in within the realm of your life, within your fingertips, within your eyesight. All that stuff's really important. And plus, she sees me on TV. So sure. she gets to come to the set and she sees what's not real. So that helps, but even she struggles with it, you know? We got to we got to keep them present. That's the most important thing, I think. Absolutely.
2: You know, I, you aim, I mean, I, as you said, you aim most of your material on this website and, and you know, in, in the things that you talk about and things you do. You aim it at young women. You're, you're the mother of both a boy and a girl, and so this seems like an absolutely fair question to pose, even if it's impossible to answer. But are, are sons easier to raise than daughters, or do they each have their own unique challenges that are equally difficult to they surround? They
1: have their own unique challenges. I mean, we've been talking about my daughter right now, because she's the one who's still in the house, and because we were talking about the struggles with beauty. But it's really all the same thing, but almost in a different wrapping. It's self-esteem. Boys struggle with the same thing. They just do it in a different way. My son, he absolutely had his problems. I mean, I think when he, like the minute he turned 15, he went, Wacko, I went, Who are you? I thought that raising my son, because I was a single mom when I raised him, and we were very close. I took him everywhere I went to shoot. Of you know, I would shoot a scene where I'm a lawyer at a desk, and he would be at my feet. <laughs> so he would sit down there playing while I was shooting a scene. Or I'd be driving in a car, and he'd be in the back seat, because you'd never see him, you know, while they were driving on the shot maker. He really was with me every moment. He had, we, wow, we had so many incredible experience together. I... And I was very honest with him with a lot of things. And I never thought that we would go through the things that we went through. But when he turned 16, I literally sent him away. <laughs> he was lying to me. And I, there were a lot of things that he like. I, I just couldn't get a straight answer. And I finally went, you know what? There's no way. I am not living in my house with a guy who's lying to me. Wow. And I sent him to this place called Spring Creek.
2: Yeah, we talked about it.
1: Yeah. Oh, man, it was tough. But let me tell you something. It wasn't one of those things, I don't believe in breaking a child's spirit. It wasn't about that at all. It was about making them understand that they have to be accountable for their own lives and that they, in the end, are the ones who are creating their lives. Yes, each one of us steps into this world with a predisposition. Each one of us is born into a family in a situation that we didn't pick or choose. But it's up to us as to how we respond to those. And this was the most valuable lesson he learned from that. But, yeah, I sent him away. I was like, mm, no. <laughs> Because it wasn't working. What I was doing wasn't working. As dedicated and as present as I was, it just wasn't working. I had no more answers. So, yeah, we had our difficulties, and it armed him for everything. He got out of there, and we had about a year of trouble after that in terms of him figuring out who he was in the world. And a couple of years later, it was like, okay, I got it. I'm fully responsible, and he can handle it. He, handles, he can call himself on his own crap, which is great.
2: And so, it sounds yeah. like you learned as much from that experience as he did.
1: Well, I had to go through it with him. I mean, there, literally, there were seminars that my husband and I, if we wanted to visit him or talk to him, we had to go to these seminars. Because the problem, when you have a troubled teen, it's not a troubled teen. It's a, there's trouble in the house, meaning it's not working. That doesn't mean you don't have dedicated people in the house sure. who love each other. It just means there's something going on. That's not help. That's not working, and so you have to take responsibility of finding what it is you're bringing to the table that's not working. So yeah, and if, it it's work a, a,
2: as thought someone thought. who grew up in a, in a, I wouldn't call it a troubled household, but my I lived with my father and and stepmother for quite a few years after my mother, my biological mother, died, and and you know it wasn't quite a troubled household, but we had, we certainly had our issues, and and I can tell you that it's a little piece of everybody's fault when there are those issues and when there are those problems.
1: It absolutely everybody. Even you don't mean to you can be adding to a problem without realizing it and that's the thing is to identify what that is i mean i thought my son would get nervous about anything i said to him and i'm not a demanding mother i mean i really honestly believe that my kids need to find their way They need to, I don't have any pre-described thing that they're supposed to do or something they're supposed to become. My job as a mom is to lead them back to themselves to figure out what their own deepest driving desires are and who they are most authentically and then help give them the courage to kind of access that and express it. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter to me. That's up to them to figure out. And so if I would hear my son say, well, I want to play guitar, I would go, that's great. Let's go get you a guitar. that's what you want, let's go. And all of a sudden he would shrink, and I'd think, "Wait, he said he wanted to. All I did was support it. But what I didn't realize was that my being such a go-get-' cheerleader kind of a mom uh-huh. <laughs> that was pressure, because what if he failed In his little mind? It was like, "Oh my God, my mother." Wow. And all I was doing in my mind was supporting him, and so especially
2: especially when mom is as successful at what she does as you were.
1: In his eyes, yes, absolutely.
2: And Dad too, for that matter, I mean Dad's a famous musician, yep. so I mean even though it, it may not be acknowledged or enforced by you guys, it's kind of always there in your own mind.
1: It is, and that was something else I realized too, was when I was growing up attempting to get into acting or whatever, any little thing I did was a big step forward. You know, the first time I was in the background in a commercial and you could see my feet (laughs) walk across the screen. Oh, oh my God, those are my shoes! (laughs) That that represented a success to me because it was a step closer to, I don't know, maybe having my belt shown in the scene. (laughs) But for Christopher, because he grew up watching his dad on stage and his mom on stage and on television, anything less than starring in a TV show or... Playing to you know an arena was failure. You bet. So he couldn't count all those little successes. Playing in a cafe where everybody showed up and applauded and loved it—that wasn't a success to him. That was failure.
2: And what the so hell it, can you do about that? I mean, wh- how do you, how do you combat?
1: Um, you have to find a way of communicating that works for the child that makes them open up their eyes to other things. But the key is a knowing what they need, what needs to be communicated to them. But b knowing how they receive information, where I could say, are you kidding me? Look at that. You had all these people in that coffee house, and they loved it. It was a huge success. That He's not going to hear that. I've learned that with my son, for instance, I my approach needed to change to where I said, gee, how'd you get those people there? Where did they come from? Very cool. Do you think they liked it? And And it would get hit when I asked the question it would cause him to pose the question to himself and then answer them himself. When I'm shoving the answers in his face, it's like, no, you're (laughs) lying to me. So that is the part of the communication thing that you have to learn. And uh, he always knew that I loved him, and I always knew he loved me, but, man, there were times when you just want to go, shut up, Stop (laughs) (laughs) up. And
2: and, uh, Sienna, don't let me get too personal here, but does Sienna understand who Mom is and what she does the way Chris
1: did? I think she understands it better. Christopher, you know, there's, there's a. this is a really general statement, but there is a difference between boys and moms and girls and moms. You know, like they say, little girls are daddy's little girl. Sure. And boys are mama's boys. Mm-hmm. There's a different way of idealizing mom. And so there was sort of this idealized way that he mm-hmm. saw me, where Sienna, and part of it, too, is the way I raised her. You know, I decided to change some of the ways I raised her after (laughs) raising Christopher, the poor poor guy. (laughs) Oh, he's my little experiment. Um, But I decided to be more sharing with her and honest in where I was frail. You know, I never wanted my son to see me weak. I always wanted to stand firm and tall and positive for him. But with Sienna, I thought, you know what? She needs to know that I'm sensitive to and that I'm not perfect and that I'm willing to do my best, but I have grumpy days too.
2: And everybody's human.
1: And everybody's human, and that's okay. Embrace it. Just don't let that be your right to be a bitch to everyone.
0: <laughs> allow,
1: <laughs> allow yourself to be moody, but, you know, I need this time to be alone because I'm not in a good mood. So I share differently with her than I did with Christopher. So she's a very different animal than he is.
2: I would also imagine, in terms of raising a daughter versus raising a son, I would also imagine that all of your difficulty in navigating this road is compounded by the fact that you make your living and have indeed excelled for about three decades in an industry that pretty much demands that you be, at least externally, a specimen of of physical perfection. I mean, do you ever find yourself taking a tack of do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do with your daughter with regard to communicating and uh, reinforcing for her a message of responsible health and wellness?
1: Yeah, sometimes, yeah, you just you hear what's coming out of your mouth, and you go, "Did I really just say that?" <laughs> you know, and she'll catch me when I'm going. Oh my gosh, you know, my thighs are looking horrible, mom, 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 stop it. She'll catch me as well. But the interesting thing is, you know, she was coming through all her hormonal changes as I'm going through mine. <laughs> so
2: on the on the back end of it, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of cool because we both are having these hormonal changes and I'm having to explain hers to her and, I, you know, i prepared her for it completely and, you know, we've kind of established this way. We have, In fact, I'm sitting in my office looking at a bitch jar, that's what it's called, and she created that bitch jar because sometimes she'll just open up her mouth and, man, I'll go, excuse me, you know, and she'll just stop herself and go, I'm sorry, I don't know why I said that, and she'll go put a dollar in the bitch jar. Wow. It's, you know, because we understand that these things are going to happen, and I don't want to take you to task. You know they're wrong. As long as you acknowledge that, let's just stop it. Let's not even go down that road. So I get that favor in turn (laughs) because I have my days, and she'll tell me, go put the dollar in the bitch jar, and it just stops everything, and off I go. So fun. it's an interesting thing going through it together because we have to we kind of support each other in embracing ourselves through these changes.
2: And do you have any sense of how your husband is relating to living with these two women? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the ball busters as he calls
2: them.
0: Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, really? He's he's learning to kind of let us have our space and he's, you know, he's very uh He's very gentle with those things. He allows us as well to take those turns and those ups and his downs because he knows.
2: You know, uh, Conversely, does your knowledge that Sienna is watching you very closely, probably more closely than you realize, does that alter the way you look at yourself and the ways in which you take care of yourself in terms of exercise, diet, cosmetics, what have you?
1: Absolutely. It absolutely does because, you know, you get to the stage where you have all this knowledge, but you still have to implement it. And we all can get stuck in a funk. I mean, it's just, that's just the way it goes.
2: Of course. I can
1: get one bad phone call and it's like, <coughs> and then my day gets piled with all this stuff and meow, down I go. But when I have someone else, it's almost like having someone else that you have to be accountable to and that someone else is a person that you're raising and that you're responsible for. That is a big accountability. So she, she helps me. Just her presence helps me absolutely.
2: You know, this this idea of beauty can be such a minefield to try to discuss without offending people. Uh, how conscious of that do you have to force yourself to be?
0: Well, <laughs> I mean, you, you know,
2: clearly you're very passionate about this, and I wonder if part of the reason for that is that you were so celebrated for your physical beauty as a young star, and even I'm sure today, I mean, I've sat across from you at a lunch table, and I can testify you were flawlessly gorgeous. And, and you know, I, I wonder if, if because you were forced to become so conscious of how you looked, at such a young age, before you may have even been prepared to deal with what all that really means, is why you're so passionate about it today.
1: You know, I think it's an interesting thing because the beauty part of what I do is something I have never acknowledged until recently. I never wanted to be known for that because growing up I was like, wait, I work hard and I'm good at what I do. Isn't that enough? Of course. And the beauty thing, the, the truth was, I didn't wake up every morning feeling beautiful. I didn't. I still don't. Oh, my gosh. I wake up in the morning and go, oh, <laughs> the bag. I do the same thing to myself that everybody else does. I just, you know, there's, there are a few things that I real and I, because I've thought about this a lot, because people would ask me those questions, and I'd think, why are you asking me this? And that's not, that's just, you know, everybody has their perception of what beauty is, cool. And I'm, listen, I listen, I go to the grocery store and see all these magazines every day. I see these covers of Cosmopolitan and I'm going, wow, they look great, they look great. And they're, I know that there's Photoshop.
2: <laughs> and airbrushed I'm, and to within they, an inch of their lives, yeah.
1: But I've fallen into it as well. I'm like, what a, hello? <laughs> I grew up in this. It's So I think one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about it is because it finally clicked to me what the, what the proper answer is is that there's three pieces to it. There are three elements. It's what you're born with, how you feed it, and how you treat it. What you're born with is your genetics. That's about embracing who you are. You have to start there. No matter how much, I can have the best creams, the best trainers, the best food, the best everything, and I will never be Cindy Crawford, ever. (laughs) I'm (laughs) 5'2". She's 6'2". I know. I will never be Cindy Crawford. But guess what? She will never be me. Yep. And there's something special and unique about me that isn't her. And this was the piece that's really, really been missing. That's your genetics. And you begin by embracing who you are and being realistic about who you are on a genetic level. Sure. How you feed it, meaning what you put in your body, you have to understand the physiological science behind what you can affect and what you cannot. So what you put in it and what you put on it And lifestyle, how you treat it. Your lifestyle is really important. Stress is real. Probably one of the biggest things that people don't understand about looking good, being beautiful, and having an essence of beauty in your life is that whole stress factor affects way more things than almost anything else. And not just on the outside,
2: either. I mean, you know, they say, they say the heart, they say the brain, they say the the I mean, all your, all your organs. I mean, they say that stress is basically the number one factor in terms of, uh, you, you know, uh, affecting your health.
1: And it's, it's, so, it's so funny. I've been reading this book called The Biology of Belief, and it really is about the physiological changes that occur through stress and through how your thought process changes your physical body. It's amazing to me. Absolutely. So do I have to be careful about what I tell women? It's, I do in that I want to make sure they understand the whole piece of it. You know, when I say what you're born with, I'm saying don't try to look like me because you're not me, as much as I am not going to try to look like Cindy Crawford because I am not her. But there is something beautiful with each and every one of us, and Absolutely. that is the piece that I'm after.
2: Do you find that because people love you? I mean, I love you, and I know you have millions and millions and millions of fans around the world who uh, you know have looked up to you for years. I wonder if, if you think that you talking about these things in terms of in terms of beauty, being such a beautiful woman, do you find that you talking about these things puts you at an at an advantage or a disadvantage in terms of people no clue. listening
0: to you?
1: I would imagine it's both. I would imagine there are people who um, who just go, yeah, easy for you to say.
0: Exactly. You, know, you roll exactly. out
1: of bed in the morning, you know, you've got that that Asian skin that's just. I have great skin. You know what? I can go to bed with makeup, false eyelashes, the whole thing, and wake up in the morning, and I'm okay. Not great, but I'm okay. Like it's not my face doesn't break out. I don't yep. have that kind of skin, but I have a really bad digestive system. Maybe that'll make them feel better if I tell you. <laughs> I was like, oh, my stomach, if I'm not careful about what I eat, I just get bloated. So we all have our ups and our downs and, so, and, uh, and our weaknesses and our strengths. And that's what I'm pointing out. But the answer is there are going to be people who look at me and go, oh, yeah, whatever, easy for you to say. And then there are those who are going to look at me and go, now I get it. Because I think most people, when you meet me or when you talk to me, they understand that it's not, I mean, the beauty, the extraordinary beauty, Part, what people might term extraordinary about a person's beauty in my case it doesn't have to do with the perfect bone structure, sure. or the color of my eyes, or it's the combination of all that with my crooked lips and my <laughs> sense of humor and my outlook that people would term extraordinary. I think it's the entire package it's the combination if they catch me on a good day because <laughs> they catch me on a bad day, whoa. whoa. <laughs> walk away. <laughs> so, you know, it'll be what it is, and those who are ready to listen and can benefit will. Well, I don't
2: know. So getting back to the teleclass for a minute, what is the best way for people to find this? First of all, it's on March 28th,
1: yep.
2: 9 PM, p.m. Eastern, and it's live across right. the world, I assume, so at 6 p.m. Pacific time.
0: Six uh, p-
2: and yeah, uh, exactly. this is going to be this is going to be a live, I mean, you're actually going to be on the phone with people in like a conference call setting or what is the
1: Yes, it's going to be a, and this is going to be really interesting for me because I said to the girl who was setting me up I said I could have hundreds or thousands of people on this phone call. How do I pick whose question I'm going to answer? She goes, "Ah, oh, you just got to reach out and pick." And I'm like, "You mean like the loudest person?" <laughs> I don't know, the technology if for nothing else, you should join the call just so you can laugh and cackle in the background and throw out random questions that have absolutely nothing to do with anything. And <laughs> you're going to have
2: no idea what's coming next.
1: Right? No, I have no idea. So I mean, I'll present. I'll present a little bit of a. I don't. I don't like calling it a teleclass because it makes it sound like I'm teaching people something. Exactly. When yeah. Really, I, I'm just sharing. I'm professor, not, I'm not people. Yeah, <laughs> professor people. Yeah, professor people. Yeah, so the best way to do it is really just to go to my website because it has all the links. So if you go to Nia's Elements of Life dot com and on the the home page, there's a video right up the front. You can click on it and all the links are right there to it. Or you can go to EOLgal dot com if that's easier.
2: Very cool. And if this is a huge success, I mean, are we, is this going to lead to more of these? I mean, is this the direction you're heading in? Or
1: I don't care if this is a huge success. <laughs> success. I mean, in terms of, like, what's a huge success, if, if thousands of people show up, that's a marketing success to me. I'm not really marketing this. You know, I actually stopped everybody and went, wait, we're not doing a big marketing thing on this. This is a time for me to kind of word of mouth, just my inner community here, to let them know that I'm working these things out and it's a message sure. I want to share. So. It's already a success if I make it on the telephone. (laughs) If I get there, (laughs) it's a success. Because I've got my friends, they're going to listen in, and they can give me their suggestions. And It's a learning curve for me as well. And so this is really sort of an inside community thing, and I'm successful already. I'm on your show.
2: (laughs) But, I mean, it sounds like in terms of where you want Elements of Life to go, which is what you were talking about at the beginning of this uh, conversation, it sounds like this is a direction that you're at least looking in.
1: Absolutely. One of the things that, you know, when we launch the website, the intention is to offer up one workout class. I'm going to go do once a month with my old friend and trainer, Mr. G, who's fantastic. And so they'll have a new one of those up once a month and then eventually once a week where they can live stream it and work out with me and him in a class, which would be really, really fun because he's hysterical. And the other piece to this is that, Every month, a certain seminar on the subject, let's say it's on forgiveness, that seminar will be streaming live, but you can access it. And I'll also have a call just for the members of the community that we can get on and have a live discussion about that particular seminar. And sometimes I'll have a guest in, like maybe I'll call Christoph <laughs> and say, hey, listen to my seminar. Come on, let's have a discussion about the power of forgiveness.
2: Very cool idea. So that will cool.
1: happen once a month, yeah. Wow.
2: So the last time you were here for a chat, I believed that Pretty Little Liars had just been picked up to series. In fact, I think it was maybe the night before we spoke. Mm. And you know, now you're coming to the end of your second season, and it's a huge smash. And you know, we fans are on the edge of our seats, heading toward the big revelation of A's identity. I suspect this has been a very interesting experience for you. Have you had fun doing this role?
1: Well, yes and no. (laughs) You got honest Mia here again. (laughs) I love the people. Don't get yourself in trouble now. No, I What do I care? <laughs> um, I, I think I got myself in trouble the last time. I yes. Show. Yes, you did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> no. Um, I love the people on the show. The girls are great. The people who created are great. It's just one of those things where, from the top down, they really put a great team. And I mean, a great at what they do, but great people as well. And so I love that aspect of it. But from the character standpoint, especially this. Season like The end of season one was interesting for me because it dealt a lot with my daughter and her issues of her sexuality. Absolutely. And it put my character in a place of really having to dig deep. And so as a thespian, that was very interesting for me. Absolutely. Season two, I think they just couldn't afford me or something. (laughs) But they're just, I mean, I'm literally, they shipped my character off to Dallas. And I know there, there are so many reasons that go into this. and you know, you can't. It could be reasons like they only had so much set room on the stages, sure. and so they had to lose a set, so let's lose Emily's house so we can put her, you know, double her up with mm-hmm. Hannah, and uh, then we can create a different set here, you know, for the season. And so they shipped me off to Dallas, but my daughter almost <laughs> died in the hospital. She was arrested and doing time. I never showed up. Yes. And so I know nothing. My mom, As her and me, of all the moms, I'm the most conservative and hands-on mother of all of them. Yes. But I wasn't there for any of that. And so they've just called me, and, and they've asked me to come back for the first episode of the third season. And I'm thinking, i got to sit down with them and have them tell me what it is I know. Because at this point, all the other moms are discussing, A, they already know that their girls are in trouble. I don't even know that my daughter was in the hospital. Hello? I don't know. So this is <laughs> Has it been a good experience in regard to trying to make sense of what they're doing for my character? it's been challenging, yes, and not in an interesting way for me and i, and I you know I know that my character exists to set up interesting storylines for my daughter, sure, and that's fine, but this one's going to be a tough one. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to enter season three without going. Well, um, I had a sex change operation, and I'm totally different than you ever, and that's why I disappeared. I don't know what I'm going to say. I have no idea what they're going to do. So it'll be interesting.
2: You know, it, it's so funny. I was talking to Mayim Bialik a while back, and she was the young Bet Midler in, Bl- in Beaches, and she was on Blossom for all those years, and yeah. and uh, she's now a regular on the Big Bang Theory. But prior to that gig, she was the school guidance counselor on uh, Secret Life of the American Teenager on your network. And, and okay. I was joking with her that once upon a time she was the kid and the young woman yep. surrounded by all the adults, and now in a flash, here she was playing the adult and ministering to the kids. Right. And, you know, I bet it's a trip for you with Laura Leighton and Chad Lowe and Holly Combs. And you, I mean, you know, once upon a time, back in your up-and-coming heyday, you guys were the hot young things, and now you're all playing the parents of the hot young things. And, and I'm wondering if that, if that plays with your mind a little bit, or, or do you welcome this so-called evolution after all these years of your career?
1: I don't think that the uh, that the position of the role of playing a parent plays with our minds at all because it's where we are it's what we've grown to. Sure. And I think we welcome that but I think what does what what hmm. I have have experienced as being the most difficult for all of us is that the roles that we play are not are secondary developed. Yeah. Well, secondary only in terms of The reality of the characters Uh, I've never done a series before where without going in and saying here's who my character is here's the backstory here's where I'm coming from here's where I'm going what do I want without having so much detail but because we are there to create interesting storylines for the other characters we have to kind of turn a blind eye to some things that just don't work my character in an exceptional way, has had to do that this year because I've gone <laughs> off to Dallas. Yeah.
0: But the hardest
1: thing is that you have to kind of half-do your job because the minute you start asking deep questions that really cannot be answered, it's trouble as an actor. You know, So you have to kind of fully be present in the moment without making total sense of everything that's going on.
0: Right.
1: That's the yeah. hardest thing for us.
2: You know, for those who don't know, you're playing the mother of a teenage daughter who has recently come out as gay and who's been struggling mightily with these issues of her own identity. And your character, who is a very loving mother, but you know, I think it's very fair to say a, a, a very conservative woman, initially yeah. had a very tough time coming to grips with the truth about her daughter.
0: Right.
2: I'm wondering if it was tough for you to play that material because you know, I, I know, I mean, I don't know you intimately, but I feel like I know you as stupid as that sounds. And <laughs> I, I would imagine that you know, growing up as a dancer and coming of age as an actress in a forum like fame. You had to come to terms pretty early with the notion of gay people, so I'm just curious if you had trouble getting your arms around that aspect of your character because you played the hell out of those scenes.
1: You know, she's very different than Nia. It, It really was about understanding or creating something for my character that meant the same to my character that it would mean to me. So if my character believed with all her heart that it was against God's will, that it was absolutely blasphemous that it was just it, it was a freak of nature for that to be or or no and in my character's case she believed that it was just a choice sure a mental choice and she believed that her daughter was being influenced by someone else and so my daughter was believing that oh it's not a big deal i'm just going to dabble in this
2: and then i'll change back
1: yeah and that's not what Nia understands, but that's what Pam understood. And so the dangers that she was getting into, I, you know, I had to liken it to something very different in my life, but I had to liken it to something that was as important, as deeply as important sure. to me. And that's where the desperation came in. So for Pam, it was really about misinformation, it was really about believing something because of the way she was raised and not questioning it and so it allowed her to have a really interesting storyline when absolutely. she did she her love for her daughter and her belief in who her daughter was caused her to examine her own beliefs and where they came from and that was a big big step for her and it was just a, it was a wonderful storyline for me then absolutely yeah
2: you should know that one of my best friends and I watch the show together and we talk about it and we have a theory that you are one of the other parents but I happen to think it's you for whatever reason is A <laughs>
1: <laughs> because I've been gone you mean? Hmm, suspicious. can you shed any light on, on, on that, that at all for per- no I can't I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> no I'm not allowed <laughs> damn it I was trying to
2: sneak in the back door with that
1: but A is revealed on Monday right?
2: Uh, yes, I, I, I believe that uh, uh, the season finale, which is Mar- March nineteenth, I believe that they're supposed to to uh, reveal the big secret.
1: They're going to reveal a. I think that's what they're saying. But consider this: the show goes on another season. Absolutely. So you got to think about what that means.
2: And you know, I, I mean, they very smartly kept the secret going for two seasons already. And you know, they, but they've also been developing so many other satellite storylines from it to. Uh, you know, I think eliminate the concern that this will be another thing like Twin Peaks, where they got everyone so wrapped up in the idea of who killed Laura Palmer that, you know, once they answered that question, the audience deserted the show because that was the only hook. And and you know, I think that Marlene and her team have really taken the lesson of that and learned yeah. it well here. I mean, I, I hope so anyway because I love the show and want it want to see it go on for many more seasons. And and I think it has the potential to do so
1: because there's a lot so going on. There's there's so much going on that when I I sit down and I tweet on Monday nights during the yeah. show. And half the time I have to go. What is going on? Because <laughs> if I missed the week before, it's like wow, it's, that thing is so fast paced. I'm like, who is that? Where'd they come from, huh? And they have all the backstory. I love those Twitter fans. Absolutely. They know.
2: And it's it's so much fun. It must be so much fun, not only for your fans, but for you to to integrate that way with your fans.
1: It is. They, I think they like telling me that. It's hysterical because they'll. Well, you know what? It was the same way with the soap opera fans because they knew way more about oh, sure. the show than I did. Oh, or we're did. obsessive that way. Well, yeah, and the show has been going for so long. <laughs> so what's going on with my Kristoff, by the way?
2: Oh, my goodness. You wouldn't even believe the mess. <laughs> so so Neil's brother came back to town for a while, Malcolm. Oh. And okay. uh, he had a new fiancé, and, of course, I, I, I'm sure you know years ago that Neil and Malcolm... Had a little thing over Drusilla Malcolm slept with Drusilla And that's how Lily was born And, and right. so so years later Years have passed now And Malcolm came back to town And Neil slept with Malcolm's fiance And created a baby And now they're married But they're not really in love It's just a big mess It's time I know I know what the answer's going to be But it's time for Karen to come home To Genoa City And set all of this mess straight Oh
1: no That's not happening <laughs> <laughs> That's not happening No It's not going to happen <laughs> Poor Karen, (laughs) just used and abused.
2: You know, you can come in for a short little arc and and set everybody straight and then go back to New York City or wherever you are now.
1: And how would I set them straight? Like, what would you like her to tell them that would set them straight?
2: (laughs) I don't know. You could slap some sense into Neil and you could get rid of the the new woman. I tried
1: that. There was no sense in the slapping. I just slapped. (laughs) He felt the slap, but I don't think there was any sense in that. He didn't receive any sense. Nope. (laughs) It was over. <laughs>
2: so no chance at all is what I'm hearing.
1: No, I don't think. I, you know, I think when, like I, I think I, I talked about this earlier on. But when my character came on, I mean, I, I was on for two seasons, and I had like three or four different executive producers uh, yep. in that time. It yep. was insane. So they never knew what to do with that character. Exactly. And that was the biggest problem. And, and I believe you
2: said they tried to get rid of you, and then they couldn't with because of your contract, and
0: so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep, which was great, because it resulted in the best storyline for Karen ever. So at least I got to leave um sticking my teeth into something. That was great. <laughs>
2: You know, last time you were here, we were talking about ABC Family and how ingenious they've been about putting together a lineup of shows that their core audience really loves, and yeah. and you know they really seem, from from an outsider's point of view, to have found the formula for success in a, in a tough and fickle business. And I can imagine that as an actress, you are heartened by the fact that yes, they take chances with their programming choices, but they never stray far from their target audience, and they still understand the irreplaceable value of a great scripted story that is well told.
1: That's the truth. They're doing very well that way. They're very clear on their demographic and how to tell a story. That's invaluable. Although I, I will say, when they said ABC Family and I read the first script for Pretty Little Liars, I thought this is really racy. <laughs> <laughs> it's Racy! ABC yeah. Family. You know, you you hear ABC Family and you think, ah. T- yes. <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 very racy.
2: But, I mean, they've been they've been absolutely expert at, at you know, really galvanizing that, that late teen, early 20 audience. So
1: They have been. They've also taken a very different approach in how they market everything. If you notice, their marketing is very integrated. So you'll see the Pretty Little Liars girls doing, you know, ads for Tresemme. They have to come up with different ways of basically getting funding because it used to be just commercials. Mm-hmm. but nobody watches commercials anymore there's tivo and so what is the value of a commercial yes. you know how many if you have 5 million people watching your show how many of those 5 million people are watching the commercials so mm-hmm. the value has really really gone down so they've integrated a whole other way of using the stars in an interaction with the product itself that's brilliant and i think they're really really smart to do that cuz otherwise tv would just sure. TV would just go away
2: as well as other revenue streams in terms of books and, and DVDs right. and, you know, merchandise and, and these kinds of things.
1: Yep, absolutely. A lot of Twitter. I mean, the girls were actually, they had a Twitter training session, <laughs> if you can believe that. They had a Twitter training session. That's pretty awesome. And they wow. have them, you know, record things for Facebook, and they, they make them do all these things that are, you know, normally. God, when I was doing it, No. We <laughs> didn't have Not that me you anything. had
2: time on Fame.
1: No, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't. Yeah, well. Oh, I did, I don't think I told you this. In December, I was in Italy. No, November. I was in Italy performing a live show with Jesse, with Cindy, and with Erica. Wow. It was very spectacular.
2: Did the fans go crazy?
1: They did. They flew in from all over the world. It was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. It was a fundraiser for an orphanage. And they had about an 800-seat auditorium. And uh, it was in the little town of Parma. Each one of us got to get up and sing some stuff. They had dancers and a live band and just a beautiful, beautiful presentation. And it was really kind of neat to get up and perform with the old cast members because, you know, the last time we performed together... We were in our twenties, absolutely, and it was kind of nice to be with them now, as we're approaching well, I was the oldest, so as we- as they're approaching their fifties <laughs> because everybody's kind of settled in who they are absolutely, and they've worked very hard at what they're doing, and they've kind of just they just become who they are, and it's nice because there's no posturing or posing, and it's just support. And it was really lovely to experience how these beautiful people and how, how beautiful they have become. That was a real great experience for me. I really enjoyed that.
2: You know, it's so funny. There's a there's a channel called Ovation here in the States, and I, I assume it's around the world too, but they've been showing the reruns of Fame in the mornings. And, and it's been great fun turning that on sometimes and just looking at the old things that, that you guys did, the work you put into those. To those dance numbers and the music numbers, and it's and, uh, just crazy looking back at they all that. They
1: were pretty brilliant. You know, when you go back and you look at that stuff and you go, there's really not much that can hold a candle to that. I mean, I love Glee, but those dance numbers and Glee, I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 nope. <laughs> Nothing like what we're doing. You, and it's you understandable. Bet. It's Because, you know, we were high school of performing arts, so we had dancer dancers. And these guys are singers sort of backed up by dancers. But, wow, fame was... Mm way 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 ahead of its time and i'm so honored to have been a a part of any of that
2: speaking of reunions and things people who know me well know how much i loved walker texas ranger back in the day and and i've told you this privately but but you broke my heart into about 54 pieces when you revealed to me on this very program that you didn't fully enjoy your run on that show because it looked like you were having the time of your life beating the crap out of everybody on that show but the beating
1: up part was really fun i like that (laughs)
2: but I understand no, you I recently didn't... took part in a Walker reunion of sorts, and I'd love to hear how that all came about.
1: I did. You know, well, here's what here's what it is. Is you know, This is so funny, the way they think these things come about. You know, it's weird, because you work on a show 12 hours a day, 12, 15 hours a day with people for years, and then the show ends, and you go off, and you join another show. You, and you bet, and time it's fun. Does it, you know, you don't, that's it. It's like a phase of your life is over, and you move on. <laughs> you have a different family. It's just a different thing. So, <laughs> We were approached by this country music festival in France. It's hysterical because it's in the middle of nowhere in a place called Mirande. But they started this little country music festival, and now thousands and tens of thousands of people show up to this country music festival. That is hilarious. hilarious. In France? In France, in the country, yeah.
2: How do they know from country music?
1: You know, who knows? It's (laughs) like, you know, last time I was in Japan, they had a big Elvis... (laughs) thing going on. I don't know how they know these things. But country music became very, very big there. The whole western hats and the boots and the whole nine yards. So they asked us to come over and be what they're calling us, like the the godparents or something of the festival, which requires us to kind of do some ads, to show up, sign autographs and participate in this thing for five days. And so we all got together to take pictures for the festival, and it was the first time I'd seen any of them since the that's day we out on the show. Yeah, so it was, and everybody looks pretty darn good, I have to say.
2: And was it Chuck and everybody, funny. or was
1: it just Chuck was not there? Chuck won't go. He's Chuck's. There's like the cast, and then there's Chuck. Uh, <laughs> you know, gotcha. Chuck's his own his own thing. Um, let's see who is there: Cherie, Judson, um, Clarence. Clarence was there, and then the two guys, Jimmy and um, what's his name? They did Sons of Thunder. Uh-huh, yeah. I actually had never met them before wow. because I didn't work with them. So, yeah, it's, and it's great. So they pay you a little bit of money. They fly you over first class. They give you a limo, and they treat you like, like royalty, and they put you up in the chateau, and you have to work like five minutes each day. So I'm telling all my friends, come to
0: the festival.
1: <laughs> so a bunch of my friends are flying, you know, those who can afford it right now. Everybody's broke. Yeah. fly to France and just hang out at the chateau. We'll all be, like, in my room. There'll be ten of us probably sleeping on the floor. Because <laughs> that's so the way cool. we roll. <laughs> shame, shame. I'm the, I'm the world's worst <laughs> celebrity, I'm telling you. Yeah, just come sleep on the floor. That's
2: funny. That is so funny. But it must that have been a blast seeing everybody it. again, right?
1: It really was fun. You know, and it was great to see Judson because we had worked... Really intensely together Of course he was You know He went through Some tough times While we were on the show And he's You know He's been through Drug and alcohol recovery Which is great I think he's been clean And sober for I think he said Four or five years now Wow And so he works As a counselor And actually moved down In the vicinity of, Of his recovery program And he Donates his time there And he is happier And more subtle And looks better Than I've ever seen him Very cool so that was awesome, just as funny as ever. <laughs> so that was great. That was really, really great.
2: You know, the last couple times you were here, speaking of country music, you talked about the Teen Whisperer, which I believe had been picked up uh, as a special by CMT. Did I miss that entirely, or, or is it still on the pipeline? No, because the- it,
1: got, it got picked up first by TMT, and then they had a shoot, like a little sizzle for them. And then they had a change of guard, and Ugh. they dropped it. CMT picked it up, actually started casting it. They had a change of guard, so they dropped it. And we wow. just went, well, this is way too hard. <laughs> and I think the, I think part of the reason really was the budget was hard. It was just yeah. tough. Because what we were doing was so expensive, live on a ranch, crunching the numbers made it tough. And then wow. CMT, which is, you know, Viacom, MTV, all that's the same kind of thing, MTV had this horrible thing with one of their reality shows where one of the reality stars killed the other one, like a girlfriend or something. Oh. I forget which show it was. But they have these extensive background checks they have to do on everyone, from the crew to the people who are in front of the camera. Sure. And so they required, you know, we, we had the budget and everything worked out, and then they said, okay, now we have to do these extensive background checks. And it was like twenty grand. More in the budget, and then twenty grand more here in the budget for that. This, and we just went. Well, our budget didn't include background <laughs> yeah. for goodness' sake. So they kept adding these mandatory things in that we just we couldn't squeeze it in the budget. So I think the budget just got too hard, mm. which is really a shame because the show is so needed.
2: And, and the message.
1: That's what I mean. So I, I honestly, I'm kind of letting it sit for a little bit, but I want to go back out with it because Absolutely. I think it's an important thing that needs to be done.
2: You know, it must break your heart when you work so hard and you get so close and then you just get right to the edge and then it it just kind of fizzles.
1: That's the way it is. I mean, you know, I have friends who write scripts and they've made a good living writing scripts and not one of them have ever been made. <laughs> so, you know, that's Hollywood. You spend two years developing stuff and then, eh, yeah, changed my mind. Wow. What? I did a pilot for Lifetime once called The Coven and it was really well done. It was me and Paula DeVic, and um, they finished, the whole thing, and they tested it and did well, and then they said, you know what, we really can't see a show about witches being on Lifetime, and I just said to my agent, I said, well, couldn't they figure that out before they spent a the couple million dollars on the pilot, because it's called The Coven, and it's always been about witches, it's not like you could make it about, you know, cows, <laughs> Hello? Why didn't you save yourself a little bit of money and make that decision before you greenlit the pilot? It's so weird. Things are weird in Hollywood. I don't get it.
2: And now, so, of course, witches and vampires are all the rage. So.
1: They are, but maybe not on Lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who's in charge now? Who knows? I don't know.
2: So what else are you working on? What's coming down the pike for Miss Nia Peoples?
1: You know, it's pilot season. I am out there looking for the next real series for Nia. I think I'm ready to do another series. So I'm out there looking. But it's tough. It's tough for a 50-year-old woman out there, especially. Even know, one as gorgeous of, as you. Well, it's actually kind of, it's a weird. Okay, oh, I, have to, I, have to, I have to share a secret. <laughs> I, for the first time, my agent called me and said, I need you to go on the IMDb. That's the Internet Movie Database. That's uh-huh. like the pro site for everybody to go. When uh-huh. you need information on someone and what they've been in, and this is where you go and I need you to remove your birthday. <laughs> and I said, why? You can, it's everywhere. I'm proud of the fact that I'm 50. He said, no, it's, it's just that people get confused because when they see you, your picture, and they see that, they don't. They think you're lying. Wow. And so we, you know, because I I can't really play 50. I can play younger. But when they look at my birth date, and they haven't seen me, in, and nobody has seen me in a long time, I mean, in terms of walking into their offices, they're just like, no, that's, she can't play 40, when the truth is I really can't play 50. So it's an interesting, I've never been in this position before, ever.
0: Unbelievable.
1: So, yeah, it's weird. So Does that
2: play with I, it, your mind a little bit?
1: It doesn't play do with my it mind. mind. It's just a it's just business. You just have to go, whatever. <laughs> because I'm proudly who I am. I think it's empowering to, for women to share their age. Sure. Why should you ever be ashamed of all the years I've busted my tail and all the things that I've learned? Why? Why would I be ashamed of that? But it's just a confusion factor.
2: Sure, but you know, when, can, when, you know when you have worked so steadily and and you have achieved such success for yourself in multiple forms of entertainment, it must be a little bit of a trip to to think that it's now a detriment.
1: They don't care. People don't care in this business how long you've been doing anything, or it's it is a very cold business that way. It just is. It's kind of like.
2: It's what have you done for me lately?
1: It is, and what are you doing right this moment?
2: You bet. And that's
1: a, that's a tricky thing, but that's the business, you know. So you, it, it, And I think it's tough on a lot of people. It's, I. You know, I'm not going to lie. That is, it is tough because you want to go, geez, I'm 50 <laughs> years old. I have worked consistently. I've got work <laughs> to show you what I've done, yep. and, and my work is there so you know what I'm capable of.
2: <laughs> and Why? you don't want to be crass about it, but, but uh, part of you must want to say, don't you know who I am?
1: More like, don't you know what I've done? Yes or what I'm capable of, and if you don't, let me educate you. There was an interesting um, article in the calendar section, and it was talking about the, just the ridiculous process of casting, about how you have all these executives sitting in a room, and they're saying, yes to this, no to that, bring in this, and making um, making people go through all this thing. Actually, the, the article was written by David Mamet, <laughs> And he just said, this is ludicrous. Every time I try to cast something, we have to go through this big old thing, and everybody gets their fingers in it. And, and the bottom line is, you hire like someone at 10 bucks an hour to walk to the mall with a picture of the person and a questionnaire, and if they, you ask them if they like them. If the answer is yes, then they get the job. Why don't you just cut, off, cut out all the bullshit and get rid of all the executives and take it to the mall? <laughs> ask the people in the mall. It's like, you know, we make these actors go through these ridiculous things. He said, we already know what these people are capable of. Sit down, have a meeting with them. Talk to them about what they'd want to do with the character or add or change or whatever. But why do you have to put them through this? It was an hysterical article, I wow. should have saved it. <laughs> but yeah, you kinda you do. You get to this age and you go, Okay, I've worked thirty years at this and where is it paying off? You do ha- I do have those days where you go, Well, why do I have to go through this again? You know? And the answer is not everybody does. I mean there are people who have, you know, managed to have a career that was well managed and they they made it through this series, and they were the star of that one, or they got this film or that one, and they're smart enough to have a team that keeps them <laughs> current. <laughs> but I guess I was just living my life, so, you know. So
0: well,
2: I tell fun. you what, I still adore you, and I know I'm not alone in that. And I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this conversation with you. I really, I didn't mean to take up an hour and a half of your time, but I, I so appreciate you coming here and, and hanging out for a bit.
1: It's absolutely my pleasure, and I love talking to you all the time, Brandon. You're Ditto, great absolutely. questions. You're funny. <laughs> I love it. Thank love
0: you. It.
2: Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. The feeling is absolutely mutual, and, and uh, we're going to have to make a pledge not to make it two years next time.
1: Well, that's on you, buddy. You're not blaming me. <laughs> I'm right here. You got my number. Amen. You got my email. <laughs>
2: You know, once again, I want to remind everybody not to miss the Pretty Little Liars Season 2 finale, Monday night, March 19th, ABC Family. Check the listings. Don't miss it. It's going to be a good one. And March 28th, 9 p.m. Eastern and live all across the country and I assume all across the world, uh, Nia's Elements of com, a free interactive teleclass. Just go there with Miss Nia herself talking about telling the damn truth about a holistic approach to true beauty inside and out. So go to Nia's Elements of com to get all the information. From there, that will take you to... Wherever you need to go to access this teleclass and talk to Miss Nia herself. That's it. Thank you so much for coming back here and hanging out and and uh, please know you're welcome here anytime. So and and I so appreciate the opportunity to once again bend your ear and steal your attention for a bit.
1: My pleasure. Hope to see you out here again. Absolutely. <laughs> Take care, Brandon.
2: Take care. You too. The fabulous Nia Peoples, everybody on Brandon's Buzz. Brandon's Buzz in the can. If you're listening, you already know how to find the show. But in case you don't, three places online. BlogTalkRadio.com/Brandon'sBuzz is home base for this show. From there, you can listen to the show, you can download past episodes of the show, you can uh, leave comments, you can send emails. It really is home base, mission control for Brandon's Buzz. Again, it's BlogTalkRadio.com/Brandon'sBuzz. You can also find me at Brandon'sBuzz.com, my blog. From there, you can uh, there's a there's a blue button at the top of every page at Brandon'sBuzz.com marked Radio. You click that button, that takes you to a full and complete radio archive of every episode of this show. This is episode number 88, this, and all previous 87, available in the radio archive at brandonsbuzz.com. You can also find me on iTunes, guys. I'm on iTunes. Just type Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box, scroll down to the podcast section, click on my logo. From there, you can uh, either download individual old episodes of the show as podcasts, or you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes automatically download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the store. So I'm all I'm on Twitter, I'm on uh, Facebook, I'm on iTunes, I'm all over the place. Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and something will pop up that points you in my direction. And as always, I appreciate you guys coming in my direction. I appreciate you guys finding me and listening to me, and I hope you continue finding and listening. To Brandon's Buzz.
1: Hi, everybody out there. This is Eileen Kristen, and I have just been on Brandon's Buzz. This is a great show and a very sophisticated mind, so spread the word, Brandon's Buzz. This is Claire Massey from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy, great show. Check hey it guys, out. Hey, guys,
2: this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi,
1: this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so if you feel that you just can't take it And your world isn't what it seems Don't forget that life can be what you make it Baby, when you live on a street of dreams Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon Buzz, the place to be. Hi, everybody.
0: This is Nicholas Walker. Merci à vous tous. Écoutez Brandon Buzz sur Blog Talk Radio. Bonsoir, et à très bientôt.